up to you, but it's record talk. Yeah. Woo. So a whole lot of energy coming right at you. Let's not tell him he didn't push the button for the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> he's da- he's da- well, maybe he did. Are you he's dancing hearing today. the music? Because I don't hear it. You don't hear music? Not no, either. we didn't hear the theme song. <laughs> oh, I wonder if anyone else hears it. That'd be interesting if no one else can hear it. Really? I'm looking at Facebook. I don't hear it either. Really? Yeah, zero. <laughs> oh, wow. That looks really silly. <laughs> well, sure. not really. It's just you jamming away. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you are having the time of your life. Oh, you bastard machine. <laughs> you know how silly that scream is going to sound without any like reference point? I enjoyed it. I thought Maybe. it was great. Here yeah, now? It is. All right, let's go. It's record talk, baby. Woo! Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. All right, we'll get it. Right I was going to say, yeah, so nothing's changed, everybody. Welcome to the shit show. <laughs> it's about well, the same. Oh, so you didn't hear this. That Man, that's embarrassing. Uh, Kim, I don't hear music. Well, you do now. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Oh, man. What's going on, guys? Not too much. How's everybody doing? I was doing all right a few moments ago. Now I'm indifferent. Oh, okay, you, you blew up your own spot. You, you interviewed and got to hang out with all of In Living Color, not just the guitarist. Yeah, it, it was pretty great. It was epic. I'm very proud. Very yeah. Proud. I bet. Um, so, you know, I wanted to ask you guys, geez, I can't, that's going to be so silly to listen back right now. We're public. I can't wait to listen to it tomorrow while I'm working. It's going to be fantastic. Screaming like a madman for nothing. Uh, you can't just listen to it, James. You got to watch it because you got to see Jimmy, oh, yeah. Jimmy away with nothing. Yeah, nothing. Guys, in my headphones, when I was dancing, everything's happening in my head. I just didn't have it routed properly because I was doing something else in the intro. Are you doing did. Instagram today too or no? Are we what? Instagram today or no? We can hit it up if you want, sure. All right, we'll get there eventually, but they don't get the coolest parts. Just a quick teaser, though, not like last time we kept They missed the intro. That's like, I mean, that's legend. They'll never get that again. Yeah. All right, well, now that I've wasted some time on my idiocy. All right, there we go. I got that I think we should start with you, Rob. Yeah, for sure. Okay, two things are in my glass, honestly. Ooh. First thing in this water bottle is this run every lab. Excuse me? Ectoplasm? <laughs> it's not ectoplasm. Unfortunately, it is not. Let me make it louder so I can hear you, Brian. Um, it is run everything labs onward, which is an immunity support, sustained energy, mood enhancer, and optimal focus uh, powder that has Ooh. all sorts of vitamins inside of it. Uh, a little bit of caffeine, 200 milligrams. And uh, yeah, I, I teach guitar to one of the guys who works for this company. And I got all kinds of crazy flavors. And the green apple is delicious. And then I have a second cup, which is a cup of peanut butter um, by the company called Fokin Nuts. Fokin uh, Nuts. This one is snozberry honey. And they come in all crazy flavors. So that's oh, nice. Is it cup. good? It's delicious. Oh, Fokin Nuts. Huh? Yeah. That'll be a. I have four of them, different flavors. So that'll be a nice. What's in your glass, James? Uh, I today am very simple. I just have a glass of orange juice. I wanted something nice and refreshing and simple, and I got it. Vitamin C, oh, baby. There you That's go. That's what I figure. Vitamin I, C. I shook the crap out of it, so it's been foamy for 15 solid minutes. Ooh, all right. You like yours with pulp or without? Uh, I prefer without, but every now and again, I find pulp to be quite refreshing. I like to chew my juice. I do. I do too. It depends. <laughs> I, I go back and forth. Like it depends on the mood I'm in. <laughs> yeah, man. I what got another got? Uh, little uh, Pac-Man glass there, but it's a nice, nice uh, shake I made. It's uh, strawberries, raspberries, blueberries. Um, what else is in there? Coconut milk. I got some protein powder, hemp seeds, chia seeds, and flax seeds. Lots of seeds. Nice. Yeah, Sounds man. Delicious. Yeah. Oh, and some pomegranate too. So. So I want to share something go. funny with you guys real fast before we yeah. get because I just got a te- uh, uh, text message from him. So in my previous uh, interview tonight, which the podcast is already up, and I got to speak with Living Color, as you said. I got to talk to everyone in the band. But a day in the life of Rob, I'm always doing like any given moment. And my day is pretty structured minute to minute. Yeah. And any given minute, I'm usually doing three different things. So somehow in the process of sending their manager the link to this their interview, I sent them a link to Spotify. 
So I'm sitting there <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, where are these guys? And the phone rings and it's a number I don't recognize. And it says, uh, hi, this is Doug Wimbish from Living Color. Can I talk to Rob? And I'm like, oh, there's a, I never thought I'd get that call. <laughs> uh, we fixed it. And it was a beautiful interview. If you guys should check it out, just texted me. Great guys. Good time. Great music. No, it was very, very good. never thought you'd hear in your life. <laughs> yeah. And, and still, it's, it's absurd even for it to come out of my mouth, but it was so sweet. They were really, really, really cool guys. Well, nice. a couple months ago, I was talking to you and I get like we were saying before, like, I, I know you well enough to, to know when something's going on or to kind of know what's happening on the other end of the line. So I know when you've been distracted that I'll say something and the line just kind of goes silent for a minute. And that happened while we were on the phone a couple months back. And I was like, are you there? Hello. And you just started like cackling and you're like, I think I just got a text from Bruce Kulik. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh, i guess this is just your life now this is how this works apparently <laughs> yeah right it's pretty wild i feel very blessed i, I truly do for some it's pretty amazing see things in that perspective it's not lost on me one bit it's really special but yeah, i'm special awesome. with this man this is exciting um, and uh i guess it's time to start talking about some music so yeah um, oh never boy mind. we're doing nirvana uh, oh, all right, Rob. All right. So I think you hard. should go first. Yeah, I got the, the, uh, the CD here. So since we can't play the songs, let me show you guys. Watch my hand, okay? So watch the positions I'm in. Ready? You hear it? Wow, that was like three songs, and I barely had to change my position. You've been practicing that, haven't you? Yeah, yes. <laughs> James Heretic or Rob? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. This is an epic album, guys. That pardon me. It's, it's a lot. I like that color green on you very much. What's the rest of that look like? Looks like zip this. all the way down. Nice. Oh no, it's half zip. Uh it's no, it's zips all the way down. All right, good. <laughs> Star Wars. Nice. nice. I think that everyone who, um, how to phrase this. So as a guitar player, similar to ACDC last time, these are songs that run through every guitarist has learned Nirvana songs. I mean, I just played three of them without even trying, literally. So the lack of complexity doesn't take away from the lack of significance of the album. And I will share more opinions momentarily, but I'd like to hear what you guys think of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, I remember when this album came out. So it came out in 91. It was their their sophomore album. And, you know, prior to that was Bleach. And this kind of defined uh, a movement, you know. And I think that they get a, a lot of attention for that, although I don't think it's they should be the sole reason for that. But it was insane to kind of watch that in real time, to watch Nirvana grow to this giant thing. Um, and honestly, it loosely equates to almost like, the way the Beatles that 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 form of hysteria from the fans as well as just the the, the cultural phenomenon that it kind of created it was kind of overwhelming, um, but it, you know they did for music and the stage performance to me the way that Iggy Pop and the Stooges did where it's just this raw visceral energy and it was it was it was good to see that with a young group of guys you know yeah and I, I think you kind of nailed it there to the uh, the whole kind of like being reminiscent of the the Beatles, um, especially like uh, if you watch the video for In Bloom, that's kind of paralleling that pretty much perfectly. Yeah. Um, I uh, I say this a lot with music from this time period that, oh, I saw the, the world premiere of that video. I saw the world premiere of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right. And just because all I did, but MTV played videos back then. And like, that was a music was a huge part of my life. Like when I was, I was learning what music I liked around that time period. And I was like, we talked about last week, like my sister would get like CDs and everything uh, from Tapeville or wherever. And she would tear the boxes apart. I was like in the middle of a, a torrid love affair with master of puppets and injustice for all at this point. So when I heard this, I was like, and then, like, I, I, I was very, very dismissive of it 
Mm. And I, I, to the point that I, much in James fashion, didn't pay attention to it at all. Um, and it took a lot of years for me to, <laughs> to be able to appreciate it and to, to be like, people actually listen to that? To, to realize that there was something going on that I had no idea was happening at the time. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point too, though. I think that people need to kind of like put themselves in a time machine and kind of figure out like what did 91 feel like at that time? If you think about what was going on in pop culture then, like CNC Music Factory had Gonna Make You Sweat was like a hit song. You had, um, <laughs> just think about like something, I was just looking up like what else was going on in 91? Because some of the things that popped my head was like Terminator 2 was a big one and Silence of the Lambs. Um, you had Home Alone. The, uh, you, had a, you had a war going on then. You had Operation Desert Storm, right? Sure, yeah. The beginning of the internet uh, was the first time publicly available. So like, this is kind of a monumental time of, of all sorts of things. And then boom, this happens. And I said that they get a lot of recognition, but I mean, keep in mind, Pearl Jam released 10 in uh, August of 91. And this album was released in September, I think, right? Yeah, September. So it's like, they get a lot of the credit solely, I feel like, and unjustly at times for the grunge movement. But like, there was a lot that came out of, of bands. And you had Mud Honey, you had Pearl Jam, you had, you had a ton of bands from that area that were kind of driving this too. Yep. They just kind of reached it in in such a mainstream way. I feel like, you know, it's hard to put it in perspective now because you think 91, you know, if you're born in 2001, you're born in 2011, 91, well, that's the 90s. But 91 was really still the 80s. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it, it was truly a changing of the guard. Um, you know, it makes me crazy because everyone says that the grunge music killed the guitar solos, but it didn't really the new metal stuff killed the guitar solos. If you, if you want yeah. to nitpick, um, well, Pearl Jam had guitar solos. I mean, yeah, Soundgarden had guitar solos. Right. I mean, and, and, and then Kurt just played random ridiculous notes. So there was stuff like that in this music too. So, um, that was a dig. So <laughs> we're going to get back to that. Don't you worry. Um, it's hard for me, right? Because. Let's do some math. Ready? Oh, geez. Take out your toes. You're born in 83. How old am I in 91? Eight. Eight. So my son is nine. So that's some perspective, right? Which means I was in third grade. So I was, you know, think of a third grader. Music is, and I didn't have, I didn't have older siblings, nor older cousins. I had no one older right. in life. We, none of us were friends just yet. We were a couple of years away from that. So I I gotta, I, I'm actually going to interrupt you right there. That is not accurate. 1991 and 1992, we we knew each other. I just said we we're a year away. But I mean, 1992, 1991. But I'm saying we we, we probably knew each other around this time period. I met you when I was nine, so that's 92. Yeah, yeah, I think. All right, well, you can I'm ignore me. I'm good. <laughs> I think so. Which is crazy. I've been friends with you since when exactly. the first EP. Um, so. <laughs> I don't remember this being what it was. I remember in utero coming out. I remember mm -hmm. her dying. And I remember similarly when Tupac and Biggie died, those were like the three pillars of like, whoa, shift. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a Nirvana fan then. I like Smashing Pumpkins. I like Soundgarden. I like Stone Temple Pilots. I like Alice in Chains. I didn't like Pearl Jam back then. That came later. Shame on me. Um, but I don't fully get it. Well, I think this, this people say the same thing about the Beatles and other bands that have kind of, you know, chiseled out kind of a, a cultural phenomenon, you know? James doesn't get the Beatles either. James doesn't get music, really. I really don't understand <laughs> a lot of music as, in the scheme of things. But I I can, maybe to your point, Rob, um, that you said you, you didn't get it. Um, I don't. I don't like current, like too current. I still don't get it. I, I agree that at the time I didn't get it. And one of my closest friends uh, really, really ad admired this band and like was shaping himself as a guitar player uh, around this band, like around the Nirvana sound. And um, Jesse. No, uh, he's no longer with us. Oh. Um, but uh, I think it was maybe like around like the early 2000s that I I had listened to it again and that I, I tried paying more attention to it. And I think I, I made it through to like Come As You Are and I started to understand. 
And I think a lot of people understood at Smells Like Teen Spirit because that was the point of entry, right? Like that was the single. Right. right. But, and there was a bunch of singles off of this album and there was a bunch of stuff that might not have been necessarily a single, but still got airplay and whatnot. But Come As You Are to me, um, for some reason it, I related to it more that I, I understood it more that he was in a lot of pain and like you can hear it a lot in his voice. And I think that's what, what we didn't necessarily get that maybe we couldn't understand or, or figure out. I think that's what it is. I'm going to jump off that before you say something, Brian, I'm yeah. sorry. I wanna, no, no, don't so in um, 2003, 2004 around then, which is when, um, What's that? The song that came out at the, the one song that's come out after they died. Oh, you know you're right. No, you're right. You know you're right. I love that song. It's my favorite Nirvana. Yeah, it's song. That's where they were going. Okay, I'm on board. Um, and we played that song many a times. But around that time, I had that same experience where um, you know, someone had gotten the box set and I took it from her, I ripped all the CDs onto my iPod, I listened to all of them, taking the bus back and forth from the city. I was reading the uh, Heavier Than Heaven, his biography. I actually have notes written in that biography about music, the Chasing Forever music that we were doing together. So like around that time, 03, 04, I got it. Yeah. But I think that shows how music can be so wrapped up in where you are in your life because I didn't get it in my early teens all the way through my late teens i got it in my early 20s and now in my mid 30s i uh get in there it's not mid 30s that's why i'm digging um (laughs) (laughs) um i don't get it anymore so i don't know like and like seriously like i hear these songs and i see the kids at obsessions in the back door and and maybe that's a testament to what it is because people were replicating that so maybe i'm naive to it but you're gonna say yeah. something i'm sorry well i mean i i i was never really into nirvana like they weren't like a huge band for me the way like you know blind melon nine snails and, and right. various other bands uh but i definitely respect them i think to me it was the same as like looking at um the hardcore scene or looking at the punk scene uh or even the industrial scene where you have this there are themes in all genres where you'll have angst and anger and, and resentment and, and isolation and, and depression and um, but you don't get it in its raw form a lot of times as you do in those genres that I just mentioned. And I think that was kind of refreshing to see that and you see this new subgenre come, come to come forth and it's just, it's gnarly. It's, there's nothing about, they don't give a shit about if it's for the audience. This is strictly my heart and here it is. And that's, that's how this is going. And if you listen to early Soundgarden, you hear that you listen to early Melvin's, you hear that it's just, this is, this is it. This is what you get. And you either like it or you don't. Same thing when you show up to you know a punk show. Not some of the the popular, more mainstream punk or you know hardcore scene. And I think that's what was kind of refreshing in a time when you you had great change. You're you're leaving from one decade to like you said, ninety one is really the eighties. So there is this kind of like transitional period happening, and you're watching. I think what makes this this time period new and exciting, whether you like Nirvana or not, is that you have the birth of the internet. I remember very distinctly being able to kind of like very slowly, but like get lyrics or go on fan sites and prodigy yeah man so it's like it was cool to kind of see that and you know it was it was neat it was it was fun to be a part of that it was a fun it was fun to kind of be a a spectator see i feel like for me just being just a couple of years younger than you guys i was too young to appreciate it like my distinct musical memories where i was like oh like i remember when bullet with butterfly wings debuted on rock um i remember when one hot minute came out and the music videos for my friends and airplane. Such a great album. Um, I remember oh, when heaven beside you, like that last Alice record came out. I don't remember when Kurt died and I remember heart shaped box. This was just a little bit too early. And I think maybe also like the kids who were into this, like the, the Spence the Spencer's kids with the, the, the baggy corduroys and the instruments and the weed and all this stuff like that was just not my the hacky sacks. Like it just didn't, connect it wasn't true grunge like by the time it hit me it was like this skater grunge stoner conglomerate that i was you know not my my scene but yeah makes sense i mean what's your uh, favorite song on here mine each of you oh go ahead james go for it uh drain you drain you is probably my favorite song um if i had to 
pick, it would probably it would probably be that. Um, with Breed being like a very close second, one or the other, I'd be really I'd be okay with calling a favorite. Yeah, right on, excellent. But you, there you don't hear people choose Breed very often. I love that one too. Yeah, yeah, um, that's an awesome song. I think uh, in Bloom is uh, and in Lithium or two. Uh, but I yeah, like like you mentioned, I like some of their really aggressive shit that kind of feels like um negative creep and some of that early bleach stuff um uh, yeah I, I like in bloom a lot for its sonic properties but also mainly for its lyrical content and really showcasing that humorous side of nirvana that that, that tongue-in-cheek and irony that they have um i love that and then you know lithium is just some great lyrics very like rob show though very simple like but that's not bad shit. though like not i'm bad. i'm not it is, it is. and i'm playing it in the wrong key so that's i kind of fake that a bit too to make it more um, <laughs> like i said he's been practicing that <laughs> um actually i didn't play it like right before we started um which is the one where he says uh, uh come on people now smile on your brother everyone territorial pissings so that song because i got this on like the columbia house uh cd club down the road you know when i after it came out and i put that on and my mom was like that's from a song when i was a kid Mm -hmm. so that stuck with me but i don't it's not my uh breed is my favorite song on here because it just rocks and it played it a million times um but parts there's the in the uh the the part where he says uh, don't have a gun or whatever and, and uh yeah. Yeah. that's that's very haunting i love that part of that song it's yeah. haunting because of in retrospect in the time though yeah you know it's I think funny when i was getting all the samples ready there is sort <clears> of like kurt talking samples you can find and they're all sad in hindsight because it's like this man was so tormented and, um, you know, in pain and, yeah. and to the point where in such a graphic way to end his life, you have to think that there's traces of that on this record. There's traces on that in um, Bleach. And I like Bleach. I like Bleach better than this, which is weird. I know. Um, I like this because it, it did strike a nerve with the mainstream, which is not really where I usually veer at all and like right. these two songs i've chosen are songs that are more of your user-friendly songs and that's not typical of me either uh, but i think the reason why i like that is because it allows more people to access this and i, I like when bands like nine Nails become more mainstream not because they get popular it's not selling out i like that more people could be introduced to a new medium of art sure it could broaden minds it could, it could broaden viewpoints so i like i like that's why i like those those two songs in particular because um i think it, it did essentially did that it brought in people that normally may not come to terms with this stuff or, or been introduced to it. And I, I think that's pretty fantastic. I tell you, and, and jumping off of what you're saying there, and can you make your mic louder? I don't hear you that good. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Is that um, better? Yes, sir. Beautiful. Um, I don't know if it's just on my headphones. I don't want to. As someone who has. <laughs> you owe me for one jelly donut. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> As someone who's now dedicated, you know, this this chapter of my life in, in putting music to the next generation, above all, all joking and kidding and, and, and sarcasm aside, the fact that this turned a generation onto playing guitar and still to this day, people are like, you know, you show them, I teach them bar chords and then, okay, play this, drop it down, play it again, drop it down. They're playing this song and yeah. watch someone go, I know that song, you know, for anything, it's magic because of that yeah um also something about this that i think is kind of and i bought this just for this that's why i'm touching it so much because it's going to go right in the shelf when i'm done with it i'll never touch it again but oh god thank you amazon <laughs> um you can't find it on vinyl it's pretty hard now yeah um something in the way there is oh. i think on amazon prime they have all of the uh, classic masters series or they did for a period and if you watch the classic masters for this record, they go back to the sessions with the surviving members. Butch Vig is there and they're pulling down the faders on the same freaking console. It's ridiculous. And they show what Kurt was doing in that song and how he's just, just mumbling out the lyrics and, and the cello. And it's, it's just haunting and amazing. And then something that I love, you know, from creating music and we've discussed this in various different ways. Come on. There is. Um, repurposing music right so like you take something that's something and then remix it change thing a cover however you want to see it in the initial trailer for um the new batman movie with uh with uh robert pattson yeah yeah pattson? Pattson. twilight i was gonna say but yeah robert <laughs> with twilight. 
He was also in Harry Potter. That's my son. You know that part? He yeah. dies in the fourth one. Um, spoiler so, alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you're not a main character. Yeah. Um, so they did a, it, it's still Kurt singing, I think, but it's just a totally changed version of, of something in the way during that trailer. And it is haunting as a mother, like, whoa. Like it takes you a second to realize, just like in the Dune trailer when they did um, the plane float, was it? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like, I love that. Like, I don't yeah. know, sound design. I'm not sure what that job is where you take something and then you just go over here, extrapolate it and change yeah. it. But which I guess there's a show. I don't watch it. Christy watched Bridgerton or something. I but like, apparently all the classical pieces in there. So all the music is classical, but it's all contemporary music, all popular music done in a classical with strings and everything. And I thought I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I'd like to at least that's hear awesome. that. I'm not interested in seeing the show so much as just hearing the musical content of that. I have that in my queue and I just haven't watched it. I haven't had like, I had enough sound mind to add it to the queue, but no inspiration to watch it. And there's that. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. going back to what you said, Rob, about inspiring people, there's a great quote by Ben Folds. Uh, he said, I thought he summed it up pretty well because I agree with you. It did inspire kind of a nation or world of people. Ben Folds said, after hearing them perform, I felt feeling inspired in a way I hadn't felt before. And the next day I did the thing that punk rock was always meant to make you do started a band and uh, that where he found the other four what's that is that where he found the other four <laughs> the band fold five i guess so Jesus, dad joke <laughs> i was gonna say that's a major dad joke how do you so, guys feel about the journal that was released <laughs> the do, you remember what? That? do you remember when his journal was re they released his journal that big book yeah i have it yeah i i never looked yeah it's I never felt someone got it for me as a gift. Uh, I don't have it anymore. I just never felt right after like reading. I'm like, this is I shouldn't be reading this. Like, it's a cash. Yeah, it, 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 it was a cash grab for sure, and I accepted it because it was a gift. But at the same time, I was like, ah, this doesn't feel right. I remember just reading two or three pages, and I just so so deep and dark and sad. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. this. I shouldn't. Why would you ever have somebody else's journal unless you stole it, right? I feel similar to like within maybe the last decade, they put out like a Kurt Cobain album of just like crappy cassette tape recordings of him over the years and there's like multiple versions of there's a couple couple versions on there of you know you're right and just other things and it's like i don't think he wanted people to hear that you know it's, it's too personal yeah that's not like going in prince's vault and like finishing things he started like this is literally his voice memo on his phone yeah i just i don't it feels dirty almost it's, it's voyeuristic in a way yeah, it depends on how it's done, I guess. You know, like I know, like with Shannon Hoon, they found a bunch of stuff, but he was constantly recording on tape recorders of him with a guitar yeah. and with a guitar. That's different than just completely. Very, like, it's a brain fart. Here's my brain fart, and now <laughs> I'm still making money off of it. And right. it's like, yeah, no, yeah, it's a cash grab for sure. And you think about it, like they were catapulted into this huge stratosphere, and three albums, and they're done. That's it. Well, if you count, you know, uh, unplugged. What's up, uh, Emilio? How you doing, Carolyn? And Dylan. Rackley. Sound designers create the sound. Audio engineers put them in the films and mix them in. In fact, that's what I want to do as a career. Make movies, have crazy sound engineering. Yeah. Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You should definitely do that. I you mean. Top, sir. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I'm actually having. Now that I'm not hearing the music. I'm having an emotional moment because i'm holding it in my hands i'm holding my hands a cd i don't hold them in my hand cds very often you know i'm fussing with it i'm playing with it i'm opening it i'm closing it i'm doing what i would have done you know is that not an appropriate word yeah i just love it i haven't heard you say that in forever we sound like yeah. we hang out all the time so <laughs> memories sitting around your, your kitchen table and you're with your mom <laughs> throwing cereal into his mouth crap in his hand <laughs> Wrapping in my pants and still throwing the cereal in my mouth because, we, God forbid, it gets soggy. The cinnamon toast crunch, wasn't it? Oh, God, it was. I was it. I was I I was cinnamon crunch that time because that has a very quick, a hard to soggy ratio. You got to <laughs> jump it down. Well, it's hard. If anything, I, I like it. you got to let it marinate for just the right amount of time so you get that Ooh. cinnamon toast crunch milk at the bottom. No, you're going to get that no matter what. It's going to yeah. happen. Even yeah, so. but it could like it could not be potent enough. You really want to get like maximum cinnamon contact in that milk. Cinnamon toast crunch when you crunch it is magical. 
when it's soggy, it's like it's oh, penance. It's like cardboard. It's, penance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus cracker. <laughs> no, it's just you're asking for forgiveness. <laughs> oh, what do you call the cracker? Do you please uh, host. <laughs> Jeez. So a question for you, Rob, um, from one guitar player to another guitar player. And I wouldn't mind getting your take on it as well, Brian. Thank you. Um, <laughs> geez. How do we uh, collectively, not just me, see what I did there. I put everybody in, in the spotlight. How do we feel? Yeah, that's pretty much what that was. Rob, cue the music. Um, I hear you said, sorry. How do we collectively feel about the, the guitar tones on this album? I know that's kind Let of like. Bro, we are to you, huh? Some freak show, bro. You care? Our album could be pit farting on a snare drum, guys. I ain't farting oh, on no God, snare, drum. snare drum. That's what it sounds like for me. Someone farting on a snare drum. The guitar, really? You you took I, nothing else out of it? Like you, you couldn't get any kind of discernible impression besides just trash? Uh, that that's that's not a loaded question. I'm, it's I'm not, ser seriously asking. Honestly, the the drums sound great. Sound city. Sound yeah yeah uh you know it just I mean Dave Grohl is on Mount Rushmore as far as I'm concerned I mean it's just he's up there with with Bonham and and uh, Moon I think he's just outrageous hot take but yeah um it sounds sloppy it sounds like a bunch of pedals through single coil pickups through you know small scalar smaller you know, mustangs and jazz masters and just funny. how do you feel about hmm? go ahead sorry but it sounds like a time like i can listen back to 10 because we're gonna go there and that doesn't sound <laughs> dated to me it sounds like modern production i hear strats i hear les pauls humbucker single coils 12 string bass a singer who can sing just all kinds of magic and on this i hear mm, Lots of distortion pedals. Yeah, like stacked distortion pedals. Just I, like I think that's I, I think if you break down music into the subgenres and whatnot, that if if grunge was a, a singular movement, then this was the punkier side of it. hundred percent. So so I think that's what the difference is, is that you are hearing the more um vintage elements in 10, like the, the clear inspiration from Led Zeppelin and yes. Pink Floyd and whatnot. Yep. And on this, you're hearing more like Rancid and the Misfits and things like that. Thousand percent. That's what Brian's yeah. been saying. And for and me, the Melvins, yeah, it's like a proto-punk. Yeah, for sure. Proto and that's what grunge is. Grunge has its grounds in, in proto-punk, uh, sludge, sludge metal, same thing. Um, I think that this album has a cleaner sound, but you're right. Like the drums sound phenomenal, but it's, I think what makes it cool that you're saying it's kind of garbage though here and there, but I think that's, that was like that sound, right? Like yeah. do it yourself. That he was uh, going for it. Attitude. Yeah. And I think right. that was kind of cool. Like, cause I think this can go one of two ways. Your sophomore album's always a tough one, right? Especially when your first album is so great and it has this following and, and like, ah, oh, there's a lot of pressure uh, for, for a lot of people. You go too clean. You're going to be pigeonholed a certain way possibly. Right. But I think that they still kept that, that energy of what they were, which is just raw and aggressive even if it was sloppy, but that's who they are. You watch live footage and you watch early footage as well as that's who they are. I and mean, you could blame that maybe on the drugs a little bit here and there, but for the most part, that's what they are. It is a slight, it's not about perfection. It's not better finesse and precision. It's, it's about here is the raw elemental energy that I feel right now. And that's it. Take it or leave it. I don't care. And, you know? and again, going off of that same nostalgia of holding the CD as I'm reliving these feelings, I remember getting my first distortion pedal, the metal zone. <laughs> no, that was going was a long delay. I remember my first distortion Sorry. pedal. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, as a guitar player, that's almost the same thing, you know? <laughs> it, yeah, it really is actually. Um, yeah. I, can, I, mean, pedals, I had a Morley Watt distortion I had a, a, a icebox chorus and a, a BF2 flanger flanger flanger. Um, but that feeling of playing smells like Teen Spirit, which again, you know, I could teach it to to your youngest child. The feeling of playing it and then physically stomping on something and everything changes. But I'm playing the same thing with my hands, but it's all different. Mm -hmm. That's magic, and uh, that's not to be you know taken for granted. I think though, no, I'm I trying to desperately to do so.
I always said, like, just keep it simple. He's like, you know, as a drummer, would it be nice to have like these fancy fills and everything? And you should work toward, you know, the, the, the appropriate fill for for the songs. At the same time, it's like everyone's gonna remember the guy that kept the strong beat, that was the backbone, that was right. the battery for that band. You try to fumble one fill just because you want to be fancy, they're gonna remember that though. Right. And I think that there's simplicity in Nirvana's music. I don't think that they, you know, strive to go beyond unnecessarily. It's all right. This this calls right now. Here it is. I think that that's what's cool about them. They just went to their own beat. They didn't give a crap. And I think that is something that's, you know, highly sought after, in my opinion. But you, you said something that, that connects me as well there, you know. I always try and say to the drum students, because they always try and do too much. It's just, you know. Always. Always. After that three and a half minutes, they're going to remember that they could dance the whole time a hell of a lot more than if you nail that perfect fill. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No matter how great that fill is, you're risking ruining the song yeah and you're going to remember being able to dance to that song consistently because drums timing is the most important thing in music right like check out this analogy i say it all the time so the three of us could have been playing guitar for this 20 years each and we're of the same level and we each have the same equipment and we're playing the same solo individually in front of a thousand people and brian hits two bad notes and corrects them like you know slides out of the box gets back in james hits five bad notes i hit 10 bad notes those thousand people aren't going to give a crap what's up eddie Eddie, what's going on, sir? If we're playing, I can't see, but I am sure you're there. Hey, Eddie. If we're playing drums, right. you can't see him, James? Oh, because you're on your phone. Yeah. Okay. So if we're playing drums and any of us just fumble that beat for a second, every person's going to know. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Think about the song that pops in my head right now, oddly enough, is Cashmere. You look at, like, Bono, compared, comparatively to what he does in all sorts of other songs, and you can watch Donovan go crazy with you focusing on his handwork, his, his footwork. That song, not so much. He keeps such a solid tech. It's almost like a goddamn machine. It's done so well. Right. And that's what makes that song so infectious. It's not just the guitars and, and the grooves. that are, It is his groove that he keeps so strong, so precise, so mechanical. It's like AI. It's amazing. So that when he does finally give you a little taste of the feel, you're like, oh, it stands out. And it just uh, hits you in the back. You're like, yeah, right. right there he is, man. It punches you in the mouth. You're like, whoa, there he is. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> It's funny you guys bring up the drumming because I had I had two things about the drumming and the first one you, have you both seen Sound City the uh, the movie oh, yeah. on the soundtrack too it's great it really is one of my favorite soundtracks um, what song was it that they they made Dave Grohl uh, play to a metronome and he took to it like a fish to water was it, was it does anybody remember I can't remember. I honestly can't remember because it's been a while since I watched it. It's probably like last year I watched it. it. That that was something that I, I remembered while I was listening to this, and it made me rewatch Sound City just because I I love to watch Sound City. It just makes me smile when I watch it. Makes me smile and then makes me hysterically weep. But <laughs> yeah. um, something that I I thought of just now while you guys are mentioning drumming is when this album came out, I might not have related to it the same way because at the time I was a drummer. Like at the time I was still like playing drums and. Looking back on it, I remember the video. Like I, I was coming off of the '80s, and like uh, the Black Album with Metallica was like just a thing, and and Justice for All. And I remember Lars's drum kit having like the four toms, the double bass, two floor toms, just just so much equipment. And then I remember seeing the video for it "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and seeing three pieces, and saying to myself, "What do you do with that? <laughs> like, how do you even a drummer? You only got three pieces in your." I think same things who were Teen Spirit. That was the one with the metronome. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was. That's what Eddie. It's a, our third party counsel is a, <laughs> our <laughs> drum technician. Yeah, but yeah. So our that two was producers are offside, giving us all the pertinent facts to make sure we only say about thirty percent of untrue statements. It's checking myself <laughs> on that. Um, you know, like what do you do with three pieces of a drum kit? Flashback to like a year or so ago, I saw a video on, on YouTube of Matt Halpern from Periphery playing uh, Animals as Leaders, KFO on a snare and a bass drum. That was it. He played the entire song on a snare and a bass drum. That, that, and it was staggering. And I think what you're saying there is a testament again to, again, why this was a great band. Because he, he doesn't want to say it's good. Because great is not the right word. Competent. Really itchy. <laughs> Um, crappy guitars, you know, thrift shop sort of beaten to crap, smashed and put back together guitars. 
not, you know, <clears throat> roasted necks into uh, bodies with the crazy extra tension and, and just, just garbage stuff, you know, really stuff that anyone can get their hands on. And then a three piece kit, which kind of looks like the rack tom is a floor tom and the floor tom is a kick and the kick drum is a kick drum, <laughs> you know and then this dude with this hair just giant sticks and just going to town and then this giant playing you know a silly looking bass with a pick and uh they made it work they made it work at an exceptional level and you're right if you do watch them live um, if you watch that unplugged down the road, I don't know if any of the younger guys watching this, but if you check them out, they put out a, a full concert um, from the in utero tour. So they have a uh, uh, Pat Pat Smear playing second guitar, which adds to the sound. I think they do sound better as a four piece band, in my opinion, in a live setting at least. But it, it's just worth exploring, you know. I mean, yeah, I think the, the take home no ten. What's that? <laughs> oh, I mean, the you need to let that go. Got it. <laughs> Um, take home here is just give it a try, man. Listen, no to course. It. It's, it's definitely something there. Um, I don't know, it was it defined it defined a, a culture of, of music, and it's, yes. it's, it's exciting to kind of go back and it's the same as like kind of going back and listen to a Beatles album. This is something that is kind of pinnacle. So I don't know, I highly recommend it. Whether you like it, like Rob says, it's like I'll listen to it. And I listen to it for this, and I'm good with never listening to it again. And that's fine. James was in, I wasn't hugely into them. I found it refreshing to kind of listen to it. Will I turn it on all the time? Probably not. I you know like to what? probably pick my favorites and make a mix and, and do it that way. But um, I mean, I appreciate it greatly. Uh, and every once in a while, I may throw it on just because I'm in the mood for it. I think some of these songs combined with some of their other songs, you could put together a really good album if it were sort of my own interpretation of a greatest hits. Now, some people could say this is a perfect album if you're a fan of this band. My closing statement on this album is something that has been a large factor in my perception of the world over the last handful of years is anything that's disruptive is something that perks my interest. Mm -hmm. This was a disruptor. This changed yeah. the path of a lot of things in that it started people playing music. It changed, uh, it killed, uh, you know, for better or worse, uh, a genre of music, a subgenre. Yeah. 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 Glam rock specifically. Everybody says hair metal, but I think hair, it's kind of a silly term because it's like, I mean, James has long hair. If he plays metal, yeah. is that hair metal? I don't know. Most, most people in rock, a lot of them do. So it's like, I think it killed it. You know, glam rock more so right. than anything. And I don't think it killed it so much as it just like, you know, something new and different came out. I think that was great. What you said there though, a disruptor. I mean, art should be dangerous. Right. Yes. So and I think that this, yeah, this did that. That was a great way to end that on, man. Let's end it on high really? note there before we transition. That For that great. reason alone, it's, it's worth checking out. Top three drummers go. James, you first. Oh gosh, <laughs> top three drummers. You're I, gonna have to come. Fine. You're gonna have to come back to me. I, I I never really put that much thought into it. I could tell you that I would probably put, um, Bill Buford. Um. Oh no, I gotta think outside rock. Fuck me. I mean, screw me. I I really <laughs> love Mike Mangini as a drummer, but I don't know that I could single him out in any particular project to really to call attention to him. I mean, like. Steve Vai live sessions with Mike Mangini were fantastic. Um, you know, Eddie Barton took lessons with Mike Mangini. Eddie Barton teaches drums at Rob's School of Music. Oh, what? Mike Mangini, I, I, I always thought he was an incredibly, incredibly talented drummer. Yeah. I really, I, I, I don't know the guy's name off the top of my head, but um, whoever played live drums on the first Animals as Leaders tour has to be a, a, just this ability to play that preposterous cacophony that comes out behind that drum set um, has to say something for his uh, skill set as a player. So yeah, I, I'm not sure, but Mike, Mike, Matt Garska, was that him maybe for that first tour? But yeah. um, sen sensational drummer. Rackley would know. Well, let's, I mean, let's check in with, uh, those are good ones, uh, James. I mean, Eddie, a, a well-seasoned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nailed it. <laughs> Eddie's yeah. got three great ones: Grohl, Chad yeah. Smith, and Dennis Chambers. So that's yep. yeah. It's funny because uh, I just thought of another one. Oh, crap. There's a there's this. I heard that they asked um Lars Howard Stern asked Lars, who is not in this category, ever. Who is better? Would it ever. be um Bonham or Neil Peart? And uh, Peart. <laughs> I believe you're supposed to say it right. I don't know. I think so. Just like uh, the synthesizer, M-O-O-G. 
Morgan Rose. That's a good one. Yeah, nobody talks about Morgan Rose. Morgan Rose for his showiness, man. The way he can like manipulate his body as he's playing. He's not a just his showiness. If you really listen, he's doing some pretty good stuff. Oh, yeah. He's pretty great. Wow. Yeah, he's I, my my top three. Uh, cut from that cloth, though, where it's showy and super talented. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You go, Brian, you're a drummer. Who's your top three? I mean, Bonham just struck a chord at me at, at a young age. Just, I don't know. Bonham, Bonham. Bonham. And bottom, and then um, <laughs> bottom, bottom, uh, <laughs> uh, Glenn Graham from Blind Melon. Yeah, Christopher Thorne said it great in our interview with him. Like he's our secret weapon, and he certainly is. He's underrated. No one talks about him enough. He is phenomenal. If you guys don't know Glenn Graham, just go check him out. Glenn Graham, and then Dave Grohl. I think I, I think you hit it on the the, the head before, Rob. D Dave Grohl is just Mount Rushmore. You know, uh, he's done great stuff not just nirvana and foo fighters them crooked vultures he's done stuff with nine inch nails he's done somewhat you know kind of session work in the sense that he's been hired with other musicians and goddamn if everything he touches doesn't oh, he's, he's on that he's whole stone age. He just record, yeah. a different element it's not always the same thing it's like oh that's so-and-so's drumming you could tell it's him you could tell by the heavy-handedness you could tell by maybe the footwork or you know but he always adds something different i think that's what i love about those drummers that i've listed is they are always pushing envelope and seeking to evolve and i love that as an artist as someone that's willing to just keep pushing you can see the common thread but they're willing to disrupt that <clears throat> i want to say something that's going to be controversial because that's just me um so i'm going to say i'm going to say bottom and i'm going to say Grohl. now i see a couple popping up here in oh, the Danny uh, carry yeah in the top 10 dirty jerseys thank you but, sir I don't know, but thank Good you year. Okay, so Danny Carey is the sick drummer. Mm -hmm. Same with with uh, Portnoy. Same with oh, Portnoy Port is a rock boy too, man. Manuet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to me, what it's it's like subcategories, right? So yeah. when I'm thinking like end all be all drummer could play on any record, that's where I'm going to like categorize these top three. There has to be this overarching diversity. Not saying that Danny Carey probably couldn't play on a disco record. But that would be like, you know, why? Why? That'd be Back like, to a gunfight? <laughs> I'd be like driving, you know, your Porsche, you know, around a cul-de-sac. Like, what are you doing? Like, open it up on a straight shot. Let it go. Um, so for me, it's about groove, right? So I'm thinking like, okay, well, Chad Smith has some, he just, he can sit back in that pocket. Um, what's oh, his name? Dang. Carter Buford. Is that his name? Oh, my God. Carter Buford. No, it's hard. To get a yeah. So, so hard. Terry Bozio, for Christ's sakes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Innovators, yeah, oh, that was a good one. That's a good, nice. I, uh, yeah, I was talking to uh, to Tom Pisani a couple weeks back, and I forget how it came up in conversation, but we were talking. I had mentioned to him, I had just seen the uh, I think it was the classic masters for Peter Gabriel's so, and he had mentioned something about the drummer there, and that was my biggest takeaway from watching that documentary. Um, was Peter Gabriel had him come in and he would have like all of his session musicians do like multiple takes so he can cherry pick what he wanted for the, for the song. And when he told that drummer, I, if, if Tom were here, he would have his name right off the top of his head. He said, okay, do another take, you know, try it differently. And he said, why? That's how I'm going to play the song. And I, I thought that was like full stop. That was what I was going to do. I wouldn't do it any other way. Why, why would you ask me to play it again? <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was incredibly incredibly boss yeah i mean that's and, uh, great confidence right? that you want that in, in someone that you've hired or you're looking to work with you want well, i think too i think you know on that same topic you know we've been in those positions before it's like you hit a take and then it's like oh, i'll try a different one yeah but i don't think i'll be able to do it like that again <laughs> sometimes you capture that lightning in the bottle and that's it and you're gonna get close but it's not going to be that i know and and I think it's okay for it not to be that in other you know applications down the road, but that like a peanut butter in my mouth, like hold on. <laughs> not a good choice. <laughs> like a dog trying to take a pill. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh Ooh. man! I don't know who that is. Todd Sutcherman. I gotta look him up. I'm not sure who that is. I tell you, he's a great drummer, Eddie Barton. Eddie Barton is a great drummer. Eddie Barton's a good drummer. Tom Pisani's a good drummer. Brian Winder's a good drummer. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. My dad's a good drummer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Sam's a good drummer. I'm not a good drummer. All right. Sam, your girlfriend's a drummer. She can play drums. Yeah. No kidding. Kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Wow. All right. What's All the right. next topic, boys? Wait. Oh, wait. Sorry. Wait. Sorry. 
Wait, I can do it. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Ha <laughs> ha Yeah. All right. So, got about 10 minutes or so, guys, here. Where are we going? Dylan says, if we were doing top three drummers, might as well pull the, if you can make a four-person band and the members could be dead, alive, or any time in their career, who would it be? Oh, jeez. Let's let's pin that. We'll yeah. think about it. And let's come back to that next week. Yeah. yeah. That could be our uh, our opener for next time. Because that's a great question. Complicated. Yeah. And he says, that, and he says there's a drummer from Sticks. I believe it. That's very diverse. Fun copy stuff. and paste this one so I don't forget because I will forget that. Uh, we got to, like, <laughs> one of us has to break out the full baller, Devin Townsend. Who would you put in your ideal band? No one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Yeah, I asked him a question, and he was just mean to me. Who? Seven thousand? No. I don't think he was that mean to you. You put that in the uh, the note, Brian, so we don't forget that. I did but, I actually. Yeah. All right. So, comic books. We going to comic books? Let's do it. Let's go to. Comic we can talk about comic books. Yeah. All right. So. Hey. <laughs> you know, guys, I think that. You guys know us. Thank you for hanging with us. As always, we greatly yes, appreciate it. We have an amazing episode coming for you next week as well. Guns and Roses is destruction. <laughs> another disruptor, if you will, another cultural shift. So that's kind of the running theme here. But there's more to us than just music, energy powder, and and peanut butter. Okay. We're actually kind of nerdy and like to read comic books of various sorts. So let's go around Robin, because Wednesday is new comic book day, in case you guys didn't know that. That it is. Um <clears throat> So let's start off with uh, Brian. Oh, all right. So uh, I haven't I haven't collected comics in a, in a while. I started up a couple of years ago when I first moved out to uh, Illinois, and then I kind of fell off the the wagon. I kind of got I'll take my kids to the comic store pre pandemic, uh, but I've been getting into uh, trade paper box a lot more because it's kind of cool to kind of revisit older series that are just way too much money to try to snag a copy of like you know swamp thing 20 like i think i got money like that so just now for those who don't know a trade paperback would be like a reissue collected edition of sorts yeah so like sometimes what they'll do is they'll either take uh like a volume and so so it'll be like a trade paperback would be volume one and it encompasses like maybe four or five issues or maybe it's just an arc they've done it so they have like three volumes that encompass the uh the, the arc of like maybe 20 issues whatever the arc was so uh, i chose i'm really into this one it's called the saga of swamp thing some killer work this this introduces us uh not really introduces but alan moore so i mean m most people know who alan moore is now he's kind of a household name in, in in nerdum but at the time like he was really only known for like 2000 ad warrior and marvel uk he's gone on since to do like the Watchmen, uh batman the killing joke which is phenomenal the league of extraordinary gentlemen v for vendetta like some of these killer stories and he is by far one of the greatest storytellers and writers uh a lot of people think of i equate it to like uh quentin tarantino that could write really great dialogue he writes amazing dialogue and this swamp thing if you guys haven't read it it's cool because it, again the, this the publication of swamp thing was was originally done by uh by len and uh bernie wrightson who bernie writes i'm a huge fan of his artwork i just loved his, his artwork i have a tattoo in, in vain uh in, in kind of a like an homage or, to him um but they were gonna they were gonna get rid of swamp thing after a while because it just was terrible sales and they as a last kind of swing they they got alan moore and he revamped it and this is a killer storyline it dives into the psyche of it the consciousness of swamp thing and you know kind of redeveloping the idea of like it's not this man that became a monster so much as um kind of like the monsters absorbed his consciousness and, and you know so it's like he's not really a man anymore it's 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 i cannot do any justice but it's killer but like the artwork is is just insane here let me see if i could uh flag a couple pages here so i mean just some of some of the artwork you could see some of the, the lines and the colors um even the way they do the panels and some of these things is just fun it's just like like look at, i mean look at the paneling the way they, they just do the different things it's just just killer artwork. I mean, the line work, the inking, it's just, it's a great story. It's a great bunch of, of uh, artists. I can't say enough great things about it. Matter of fact, it's interesting enough. I was uh, listening to a couple of, I can't remember which one it is with Kevin Smith, one of his podcasts, and he actually mentioned this one. Um, so it's it's definitely something that a lot of people, I think, don't know about, but check it out. It's a Saga of Swamp Thing. This is book one. I forget how many books there are. I can't see my pile right now. But yeah, awesome. Just phenomenal great oh. stuff man yeah nice <laughs> it's just killer it's great work one thing a cartoon there's a cartoon of it like oh yeah yeah, yeah. That, yep 
In eight, well, that was the other thing that did well for it too, is in, I think it was 82, when Wes Craven decided to make Swamp Thing into a movie, which it wasn't very many uh, superhero movies. And people forget that like that that's technically a superhero movie, although dark and, and horror related, but that's, that's Swamp Thing for you. What about you, James? Yeah. You go uh, a Japanese, eh? Um, I have a couple things. Um, this was something that I actually just got for Christmas this year. This is a manga rendition of H.P. Lovecraft's um, At the Mountains of Madness. Ooh. Um, and it, like Brian was saying, it's all it's manga, so typically all black and white. But just to see uh, any vision of Lovecraft kind of embodied uh, in, jeez. <laughs> And, you know, a bizarre method of storytelling like this. Um, it's just really wild because Lovecraft's creatures are so open to interpretation as to what they might be. They're, you know, they're shapeless and kind of like uh, you can't eat. A lot of them, they say, as soon as you lay eyes on them, you, you drive yourself mad. So who's to say really what any of them look like? So it's always fun to see an interpretation of it. And I love that story. So um, it was really happy to get that. I can't wait to get through it more. Um, but I also, something I could recommend very highly is this right here. Um, I told you about this, Brian, I think. Yeah, yeah, you um, did. This, to try and sum this up as best as possible, it's called Death Vigil. Um, and this is gorgeous, gorgeous art. And it's very, very silly and very, very well done. And just just a great, great story. Wow, the, color. The, artist and the, the artist is the writer and... It's for all intents and purposes, the Grim Reaper on the cover <laughs> uh, has basically, at the time of certain people's death, has basically created her own team of talented individuals to keep the forces of darkness at bay, basically. So you get like a second lease on life, even though you've just basically been killed, um, to try and do some good. And uh, she's a complete geek. It's hysterical. Like she dances randomly listening to like her iPod. It's hysterical. Um, nice. But it's, it's a very, very fun story. And uh, it was a, it, it's like you, what you were saying about like a trade paperback, that it's a compendium of all the volumes that made up the, the first season, I guess, of Death Vigil. And uh, it's, it's really great. It's not, a, it's not an overly investing read. It's, it's kind of big, but it's a, a great, great art, great story. Can't say enough good things about it. Nice. Cool, man. Yeah. So tell you, you, oh, I'm sorry. You no, go ahead. What do you got, Rob? Well, I didn't bring anything with me because I had it for last week, but then we ran out of time and I took it home. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you have last week? Um, so for me, like I always, when I was a kid, like I, I just like superheroes and X-Men and a lot of the Marvel stuff, but the DC stuff too. I, it doesn't really differentiate in that way. Um, a lot of the, the X-Men animated series was fantastic. Um, I watched with my son a lot of the newer Spider-Man ones, which are really cool. And then when Disney Plus came out, we could kind of rewatch everything. And then I just got HBO Max, so you can watch all the DC animated stuff. And that side of things, you know, just being able to consume it in this 20-minute, you know, no commercial thing on TV, it's these stories. But maybe a year ago, I was told I need another hobby because music consumes my life. And I was like, oh, maybe it'll be comic books. I'll try that. So uh, coincidentally, around the same time, they had been relaunching the whole x-men world a complete relaunch they did a two simultaneous uh, six book runs one called sword uh house of x and one called power of x and they were running uh simultaneous stories that interconnected one was like jumping through time and one was in the future and then in the end you find out how they connect and it was really like holy crap and then it just rebooted the whole series and they had like six different books going at once Again, interconnecting, but now just like a long form thing, not like this sort of reboot where the X-Men have this island and it, it's very complex to explain, but it's it's cool because it's characters that I knew growing up that I can now read. And I think what I think is the most exciting part is if it's a hobby you're looking to get into, it's not something that you need to. For me, I go to a place called uh, Gotham Underground in Ramsey, it's a comic book store, plug them. Great yeah. And um, I have a pull list. So basically they know everything that I like. And they pull it every week it comes out. So I just go there once a month. I grab my stack of books. And then that gives me enough to read for the month. And then I just repeat it. I'm a little behind right now as my recent Instagram post. It was a big stack of stuff. Yeah, but, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't get to read any over the weekend because life. But I think it, it's a cool escape. You know, like anything, especially with the way the world is now, like 
it actually was difficult for me because when COVID first happened, I was looking for escapes, but I didn't want to go to the store and touch stuff. So like, and then a lot of the comic books stopped shipping during that time for the first handful of months um, because of it. So now it serves as a fantastic escape because it's this world of superheroes and crazy stuff. And, and, and the thing that Brian's saying, like, now that I got turned on to it, I'm like, oh, well, I really want to know what happened in the infinite crisis three nine DC thing. So I bought the graphic novel collected it, whatever they're called Yeah, of those uh, killing joke one. Uh, death of wolverine one so it's just for me like i like to read i have a tremendous amount of books i like to put things inside my head to shut my brain off but i'm not a thorough reader Shh, don't tell anyone i skim and i get the gist of it but with comic books i find with the pictures <laughs> i don't have to read every word to know what's going on like a child um so for me it's just it's not entirely read- incorrect right <laughs> And then if it's like it's fascinating, I'll loop back over. But I find if I read every word, I get like uh, obsessed, even like in a book. Yeah. Every, every word, like I just read the same paragraph over and over and over. And it doesn't seem to compute in the same way, whereas I'd be just blah, 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 boom, then I got it. Right. But, I think getting issues like you do is exciting because it's it's, it's like it's like crate digging, you know, right. um, whether you have a pull list or you go and you're like, yes, I you know, um, it's exciting. I think the trade pep- paperbacks, what makes it exciting too, is like it's all in one. I don't have to wait. Right. You know, or if it's way older, like I don't have to go and try to. Right. It, uh, it's like it. a, it's like binge watching. It is. Yeah. But what's cool too is a lot of times, if it's done well, uh, and then it's worth your time, is there's always there's forwards, there's prefaces, there's uh, thank yous, there's all these stories that come up. There's also artists, other artists, like guest artists, will just, you know, who are inspired with something will do like, like, uh, like a painting. So it's like you'll get like all these like kind of. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's cool to kind of have like these extras, like these bonus tracks. Like here's the version of you know demo version of Nails's Ruiner. You know, and you're like, oh, cool. I see where this is coming from, where this, how this was birthed first. So I like that about trade paperbacks. It's kind of like like James said, like a compendium that also encompasses all these like bonus material. You're like, yeah. So yeah. I like that. I really like it. I think it's great because now. Um looking at it like from the perspective of like, I bought some of those issues that are available now as like a collection that like, I, I had a couple of them when they were new, but like, I didn't have the one before it. Or I couldn't get the right. one after it, you know, like now you can get that whole, if it was like a sub story to something um, like, for example, I'm, I'm sure there has to be a, a trade paperback for the weapon X series. Mm-hmm. And like, that would be something that I would love to have now because I never had all of it. And right. if you don't care about the collecting side of it, you just want to know what happens, then it gives you that avenue for a low price of entry. 100%. Yep. Like, many a times I would be going to the mall to watch a movie and just wander into Barnes & Noble because they're open late and just spend, you know, that 40 minutes or whatever just reading through, you know, buying it, but just reading through something collected because it gave you this opportunity to see the complete arc of a story. Right. I think there's so many of these iconic stories by tremendous writers and 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 um, you know artists that are out there over the past you know 40 years that it, it's really cool to kind of ingest that and it just serves as a point of inspiration really you know I think to me it, it's escape and it's inspiration that's really the two kind of yeah things. That's great what a great way to wrap that up sir two for two baby <laughs> maybe <laughs> Mother- <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to play the song and do the dance again? <laughs> I can't even believe how dumb that was. For anyone still watching, your buddy Rob here had his crap routed wrong and danced like an ass and screamed like a madman. You guys get to know. So, real I, quick. I think that's short shrift. It was incredible. If you were here for it, it was a treat. I'm going right. to definitely edit that out. Um, so, don't do it. So worth it. What do you guys do, real fast, before we, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap this up, guys, in, in the next six minutes, I believe? So, maximum. What do you do when the countdown is happening? What do you, what is? Oh, I dance, hundred percent dance. I dance. I make silly faces. I sing. I make lyrics to it. <laughs> what do you do? I uh, I, I you downstairs, you know, backstage, but I can't hear you. I know that's the unfortunate thing. You're missing out. I uh, I don't move. I just kind of sit here, anticipating that the internet will fail us and we'll just come back to life at some point. And the countdown, like, oh, it's 19 seconds, and there's Brian dancing. There's Rob, you know blowing his nose and i'm just gonna be here and i'm gonna like i'm ready <laughs> well this time despite the audio snafu it was ready to go i had the, the countdown start i pressed the countdown then i pressed live i had the music going so when the countdown ended the music was playing 
So there wasn't that lull, which there was in previous episodes. All that failed because it was only in my headphones. But what I'm doing every time, and it's only been three times the countdown's happening, but this is my ritual, guys, because there's a little behind the scenes, ready? This is my, uh, you know, my, my, my routine. I am screaming like a madman, like amping myself up to go play at the Super Bowl. Nice. Deep breaths, filling my lungs up because that's deep breathing. We've been discussing and proud. It's good for you. It gets you, you know, ready. And I'm just like, you know, like ugh, ready to do it. And that's why I get all that energy when 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 it goes on. So um, I suggest you try it and then see if all of that's it. That's what I'm doing my own way. The dancing and yeah. the singing and like, I mean, that's how I get jazzed up for it. You know, oh, and just pretending to do it. My heart's going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So next week, what do we got? What do we got? Appetite for destruction. You in the jungle, baby. You're going to die. I'm excited you know, for this one. It's funny for me. That album is uh, Mr. Brownstone. Oh, that's your favorite? It, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the track that I immediately, immediately relate to Appetite mm. when I think of it. I think we've been dancing with Mr. Brownstone. I love that well, song. Yeah, because they were. Yeah, let's not spoil it, but but I think that's going to be another fun one, and um, we'll get some communication going. Um, but we thank you guys so much for your time. Yes. And uh, this was a fun one, and fun full of all kinds of idiocy and magic <laughs> and um brian you got anything to plug anything cool going on this week this week not really no um thank you guys for, for tuning in i can't think of anything that's going on um i'm redoing my my glass etching i didn't etch yet on my uh my phone booth yet so but i, I just just to be safe um, the, I stay up. what's that did, i was just about to blow up your spot i didn't know if it was safe or not for what on what the the phone booth is so the phone, I took the door off the phone booth. Phone booth is still in the garage. I put the door, it's a folding door. So I put the folding door into uh, into the uh, basement where I work. And it's on, you know, it's stand there. And I have the Im six images behind the glass. I have it all contacted out. I've been using an X-Acto knife, cutting out the images. And then I was like, all right, before I start taking acid to glass, I was like, let's stand this bad boy up and make sure that I measured correctly, which I measured everything three times, not twice. And yet I still messed up two of the images. They're oh. not aligned. And that will not sit well with my crazy brain. So like, well, then <laughs> let's start those. You got to pull all that contact off. But you know what? It's, uh, I'm glad it's contact because you can't take the acid away. So yeah. <laughs> so I caught it. But that's art, right? It's measure twice, cut once. Dude, I measured three times and still somehow <laughs> messed it up. It's all right. At that time, dude, I would measure it 10 times and still mess it up. And so, yeah, my son was devastated. He said, what do you mean you're getting rid of it? I'm like, no, I'm just redoing it. I got to move it. All right, easy. You're, I should be more upset. I'm the one that sit there for an hour with this damn thing, cutting out this off <laughs> for Christ's sakes. Ugh. James? No, oh. nothing, nothing crazy to report. Just uh -huh. uh, same old, same old. All right. Well, in my world, I'm talking to uh, next Wednesday. My interview will be with um, I believe the guitar player for Kelsey Ballerini, country, country, Nashville guy. Hmm. Cool. Nice promotions for that. That'll company. be first country. Uh, uh, my first, like I actually I have two of them lined up. I have this guy and then I have another guy in a couple of weeks who, um, plays on studio records with, um, Tim McGraw and, uh, Jason Aldean. So yeah, two like Nashville country guys, which is cool because that's like a whole nother level of musicianship. And, yeah, like get it right kind of stuff. So that's exciting. Yep. Um, nice. Yeah. So cool stuff, and uh, thank you guys so much for hanging with us. Yes, thank you. Very thank much. you, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Yeah.